What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Yala. Ba, 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 ba. Your thrice weekly podcast where we talk about the hottest news with a touch of what, Terrence? Good old humor, man. Good old humor, man. Yeah. But today, we're yes. not going to be talking about news in particular. Yes. We're, talk- we're going to be talking about someone who's very newsworthy. Yes, who's uh, you'll be seeing a lot of on your social media feeds. Yeah, right? or you may have seen a lot of yes. already. Uh, definitely in the next month, could determine the fate of Singapore uh, going forward. Uh, and we have him right in front of us. It is mm. none other than presidential hopeful, Mr. Ng Kok Song. Welcome to the Yellowbutt Podcast, Mr. Ng. Good morning. Good, Good morning, morning, viewers. Good morning, listeners. Yes. Good morning. I'm so yes. delighted to be with Harish and Terrence this morning. Yeah. Oh, thank you for joining us. No, we we're super excited to have you because, you know, we've seen, we've been seeing a lot of you on social media. And yes. uh, I mean, one of the things was like, wow, how much media is Mr. Ng doing now? Yeah, like how will he be able to squeeze time in for a tiny small podcast like ours? Like, you know, uh, uh, uh. and that's something we were like, okay, let's just reach out to him and see what happens. And boom, you know, like less than a week and a half later, we have you here in our studio. You know, it's going to be a pretty tight contest. Yeah, mm. and I think the uh, the swing mm. in this contest will be the younger generation of Singaporeans. Mm. Mm. So I don't want to miss out on any opportunity. So, mm. so was that something? Was that something from the start that was very clear, or yes. from the time it was very clear to me? Mm. How, how was that clear? Were you already on social well, media? You a look lot? at the statistics. Mm. Yeah, you know, and it shows that the last time when um, when we had the presidential election was back in uh, you know twenty eleven. Yeah, you know, and 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 that was uh, Dr. Tony Tan became the president. Yeah. Mm. So fast forward now it's twelve years later. Mm. Mm. So in the last twelve years. There's a new generation of voters, yeah, who are of the younger generation, yeah. You know, so it's very important for any presidential hopeful to reach out to this younger generation of voters, mm-hmm. and particularly because when we are talking about issues such as the safeguarding of our reserves, mm. uh, it's a subject which uh, is a bit complicated, yeah, not easy to understand. And therefore, you need to explain this as clearly as possible. Mm-hmm. So that is why from the very beginning, I decided that I must go out to engage the younger generation of Singaporeans. Mm-hmm. So, so how has that felt? Anything about being on social media that, has, that you've been surprised by? No, I, I, I always viewed uh, social media as a very important uh, channel of communication. But I think the messaging has got to be different mm. in the sense that you don't have the luxury of reading long speeches, mm. right? You need to connect immediately with the audience. And therefore, your message must be clear. It must be short, mm. you know, and if possible, with a touch of humor. Mm. Yes, very important. Perfect place to Perfect come. Place. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect place to come. But so just speaking about reaching out to the youth, right? Uh, you know, the Gen Zs, young millennials, they sometimes get a bad rep from, you know, older generations who say things like, oh, they're snowflakes, they don't know how to deal with the hardships and all that. What is your impression of, uh, what, what do you feel for the next generation of uh, Singaporeans? Are, are you, do you feel the same way that they, they don't, haven't had the hard knocks in life? And, or what, what's your, what, what do you think about them? Every generation is different. Mm. So my generation cannot expect that the younger generation, you know, have gone through the the life circumstances mm. Mm. 
But these are real people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Young people are real people. Yeah. All right, with their with their anxieties, with their fears, but also with their hopes and aspirations. Mm. So if you want to be a leader of a country, you have to tap into those uh, fears, those aspirations, those hopes. Mm, mm. See, and so I, I, I really think that uh, whoever wants to lead the country must find a way to engage, to listen, mm. and then to put forward your plans. Mm. What are your ideas? Yeah, because ultimately, it's easy to say, but how do you put into practice the fact that the younger generation? Is the future of Singapore? Mm. Yeah, mm, that's yeah. true. So, so you know, on that note, I know you have said before that you have three ways of that you want to help the youth. Yes, right. Uh, re- reducing stress, developing self confidence, and educating them on financial literacy. Yes. So, but you know, I think why there's been so much talk about the role of the president because as a layperson, I just know okay, it has to do with the reserves, um, mm. and and that's why there's been a lot of focus. So, when you have these three ways that you want, how? How do you plan to do that as president? Do you plan to to give speeches about it, or yeah, it, so how how what's the plan there? So I think we have to understand and the what, what the president can do, yeah, mm-hmm. and what the president cannot do, yeah, you know. Uh, but there's a relationship, you know. You might be surprised mm. between safeguarding the reserves mm. and those three things that I mentioned, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think that um, uh, the president has a certain platform, just as you mm. <laughs> have a platform, mm. a channel of communication, all right? Yeah. So, apart from the, uh, the custodial roles of the president, he has to safeguard the reserves, he has to, uh, he's got to be a check mm. on the government Mm. If the government wants to use our reserves, you know, he has got to be checked on the on the on key appointments in the public sector. Mm. If he thinks that somebody is being appointed, you know, and standards of integrity are compromised, he's got to say no. Mm. You know, mm. so those are very important, crucial custodial functions mm. for the long term security and welfare of Singapore. Mm. But in addition to that, the president is someone who should unify the country, mm. right? Unify mm. people of different political uh, views, political affiliations, you know. And that's why I spoke about the necessity in this presidential election for the candidate to be independent mm. so that you can function as an effective check on the government. And secondly, so that you can unify people from different uh, affiliations. Mm-hmm. But do, coming back to this thing about, uh, you know, what can I do in regard to those three yeah. things? So, you know, helping a uh, younger generation to get relief from stress, for them to find inner peace and harmony. Mm. Well, I'm a living example of that, mm. you know? Mm. So you can only speak and teach and share from your own experience. Mm, so mm. I have that. So simple thing like, I want to be the, the meditating president. Mm, mm. Right? So people will say, why does the president meditate? How does he meditate? So that is important. It's an intangible contribution to the national welfare. Mm, mm. And then secondly about 
developing self-confidence and I spoke about how important it is to have more Singaporeans like the two of you mm. who have confidence in public speaking mm. to the point that you can speak informally but clearly. Mm. Now, that is something which will really raise the, the, the effectiveness, you might say. You know, it will also prepare, you know, Singaporeans for leadership positions because you must be able to communicate your ideas. You've got to be able to speak clearly, you know. And, and so, uh, here I am, you know, talking to the two of you and uh, uh, seemingly very confident in public speaking. Mm. But I learned this from a, from a very young age in school, you know. So, so I'm, again, an example. Mm. You know, you don't have to speak perfect English, but just learn to speak clearly, project your voice, you know, so that you are audible and clear, mm, right? Mm. And then the last part about financial literacy, right? So I'm an example of that too because I grew up, I was very poor, yeah. you know, and I was fortunate to have a good job. I saved some money. I learned to invest it properly, mm. you know. And so the, the, the president has got to be a living example mm. of the things that he wants to champion, you know, mm. so that it's reality, Mm. It's not a theory. I yeah, see, I see, yeah. I see. So, I mean, um, I, th I think thanks for talking about a bit about your background, you know, coming as a poor person growing up and sort of living that Singapore dream, right? Yes. To, to you know, getting to a, to a position in society where a lot of people respect you as well. So, on that, on that note, um, there are people who ask about your real independence when you say you're independent because, uh, you know, you're, you're someone who you have... Uh, friends in very high places, you know, you've spoken about Ray Dalio and learning from him. Uh, you've meditated with Mr. Lee Kuan Yew himself. Yeah. Um, so, be, you know, for some people, it's like these are, these are levels of society that they will never be able to reach, you know, to talk to these people and all. Um, and, and then they say, oh, how can he be truly independent if he's spent his, his life working for the public service and interacting and with all these people at that level. Yeah. How can you truly be independent from yeah. the government? Or so the on, on the first part about my being able to be friend with Mr. Ray Dalio, mm -hmm. the most well-known uh, hedge fund manager in the world. Yeah. How did I manage to go and interact with Mr. Lee Kuan Yew? Mm -hmm. I think every Singaporean has got that potential. Mm. All right. If I can do it, from where I, why can't you? Mm. Mm. All right? So don't say that, uh, you know, he's out in the sky. I wasn't. Mm. You know, I live in a, in a hut with mud on the floor. Mm. All right? So now coming back to this thing about uh, uh, independence of the president, people will say, you know, I mean, to use the word, yeah, lah. Mm. but, but. Mm. <laughs> right? Mm, mm, mm. You say you are independent. Yeah. But mm, mm. you work in the government. Yeah. Mm. All right. Yeah. So allow me to help to you know explain and to educate the voting public. Yeah. So we we must be very careful when we use a term such as establishment. Mm. Uh, you are a member of the establishment. Mm. All right. And then secondly, public service, mm. civil service. All right. And then political service political leadership, and then the last word, independence. Independence mm. of what? Mm. Independent of what? All right? mm. So first the word establishment. The word establishment is actually a very broad spectrum. Mm. Right? 
So, for example, in the United States, as you all know, you studied at the University mm. of Pennsylvania. Yeah. Mm. Both the Democratic Party and the Republican Party are members of the establishment. Mm. They are the political aspect of the establishment. The business community, Wall Street, they are part of the establishment. Mm. All right? Mm. And then religious organizations, civic organizations, they are part of the establishment, you know? Mm. And, and so, I am a member of the establishment because I work in the civil service. That mm. is part of the establishment. So is Mr. Taman, clearly, because he's part of the political leadership of the establishment. Mm. So is Mr. Josh Go. He was a member of the business community. Mm. And so is Mr. Tan Kin Lian. Mm. He worked in a government-related organization, or NTUC Income. Yeah. All right? So, so establishment. All of us were members of the establishment. Mm-hmm. All right? Secondly, when it comes to civil service, public service, the problem in Singapore is that ever since we had independence from 1965, 58 years ago, we've only had one governing party, Mm. the People's Action Party. Mm. So much so that people just say, the government is PAP, the civil service is PAP. Mm. That is not correct. Because in other countries, Political parties come and go, mm. but the public administration remains. The public administration, the civil service, is the continuity. All right, mm. it's the continuity of any country. You know, in Singapore, we have good public administration. Yeah. So, the majority of people in the public service are not members of the PAP. Mm. In fact, a very small minority. So you mustn't think the two things go together. You got to. They're, they're separate. Mm-hmm. Right? And then, you know, political leadership, that's quite clear. Yeah. You know, I have never been a member of any political party. Yeah. You know? So I'm independent mm-hmm. of, the, of the political party, of the governing party. Mm-hmm. So that's what independence means, mm-hmm. you know? To have worked in the public service and yet independent of the political party of the governing party. Mm-hmm. But but do you think in any way that would kind of like um, influence certain decisions that you might make or it might make you, like there's a risk of being uh, less objective? Because for example, uh, let's say me and Terence, we've been working together for a long time. Yes. In future, if I fuck up or if he does something that is wrong, there might be that, 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 that friendship there, you know, which can cloud my judgment. Yes. And you know, you have been quite public about like how even when you decided to run, you called uh, Mr. Tarman. Yes. You know, so so how how are you planning to guard against that? And maybe an example would be like, let's say if you were president at this point with all the recent scandals, you know, uh, that we have seen. Yes. You mentioned just now that the president should be a check on the integrity of our yes. leaders. How would you have, would you have stepped in? Would you have, uh, how would you have acted? Is there anything you would have done to kind of... Um, calm the Singapore citizens down or to make that whole process uh, smoother or how would you have influenced it? Well, you see, uh, one of the reasons why I've come forward mm. to stand for the presidency yeah. is because Singapore cannot take for granted that we will always have good, honest government. Mm-hmm. We cannot take that for granted. 
And, you know, some of the recent scandals, you might say, yeah. highlights that risk, mm. you see? And, uh, and, and it is precisely because we cannot take good government for granted that our founding Prime Minister, Mr. Lee Kuan Yew, he was the one who proposed the idea of the elected president mm. to be a check on the government mm. in regard to two things, the safeguarding of the reserves, yeah. you know, and secondly, the integrity of the public service. Yeah. All right? Now, the safeguarding of the reserves. We're talking about savings which have been accumulated in the past. Mm. You know, there's a saying in, uh, uh, not only in, in Chinese tradition, that wealth does not endure three generations. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm? You understand that, yeah. right? Mm. In other words, the first generation was poor, work hard, they save money. Mm. Second generation still remembers what it was like. They also work hard mm. and they maintain the wealth. There's always the danger that in the third generation, they will squander mm. the wealth, right? Mm. So we cannot assume that we will not have that situation. Yeah? Because if a government in its attempt to, to court popularity, yeah. mm. to win votes, Say, if you vote me in, I will not raise GST. I will cut the GST. Mm. I will do this, I will do that. In no time, the reserves will be gone. Mm. All the savings that we've accumulated, which are essential for the survival of our country and a, and a long-term security, it will be jeopardized. All right? Mm. So that's one thing. Second thing is key office holders, the mm. integrity of the public service. All right. If you have the wrong people in charge, mm. corrupt people, you will make good institutions bad mm. because of bad people. Ultimately, it is the quality, it is the character of the people mm. at those institutions. Mm. So those two are essential, essential and very important powers of the president to be yeah. a check on the government. Mm -hmm. Now, all right, why am I in a good position to provide that check? Mm. In order to provide that check, you must be competent. You must understand how the system works. Mm. You must know the assumptions behind the reserves, for example. Unless you have the competence, how can you do a, a good job? Because you cannot make that judgment. Mm. How can you make a judgment of who, whether integrity, has been compromised in appointments in the public sector. Well, I worked in the public sector mm. for 45 years. I know what it's like, what it takes to be mm. a person of integrity and competence. Mm. So you have a situation where it's important to have whoever is the presidential candidate to have their competence born out of experience. Mm. And then the next thing is independence. Well, I've never been a member of the political party. So... I spoke about, uh, the other day, I spoke about how important it is as in good corporate governance, mm. internal auditor and external auditor. Mm. All right? Mm. Internal auditor is own self, check own self. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It, it can work, provided you've got good, capable people. Mm. You know? But what if the CEO is, is corrupt? Mm. They're the internal auditor. Mm. You know? 
point out the corruption, no chance. Mm, mm. So you need an external auditor whose responsibility is not to the management, mm. whose responsibility is to the shareholders, all the shareholders. And in Singapore's context, the president's duty is not to the government, his duty is to the people of Singapore. Mm. So, so just building on that a little bit, or at least us going back a little bit, like um, if you see it as very important to have that check and balance in place, right? Um, why is it for you, you haven't considered entering politics, you know, earlier in your career, you know, going from as an MP from the ground up and then enacting change or at least being a check within, a, within the system as well? I, I, well, w when I was working mm. for 45 years, um, there was little risk mm. of bad government. Mm. Mm -hmm. And I loved my job at the GIC. Mm. It was my dream job. I didn't expect, but when I went into it, I love it. Mm. And I feel that that was the best way for me to contribute mm. to mm. Singapore. Mm. Helping to invest our reserves, probably build up the reserves, help to build up the GIC yeah. as a highly respected global sovereign wealth fund. Mm. That was my calling. That was my passion. Mm. But now having retired from the GIC eight years ago, the circumstances have changed. Mm. I'm concerned for the future of Singapore. Mm. So even at this stage of my life, I want to step forward and continue to serve the country, you know, hopefully now as the president. So, so is it because, I mean, is one of the factors that you have recently seen that the integrity of our leaders is, is at risk? Because, you know, you said when you were working, there was no risk. But now, do you look at it and you're like, okay, the times are challenging. There is a greater risk if good people are not in charge. I sense that, you know, as time goes by, you know, nations rise and fall. Mm. Business organizations rise and fall. It's very, very difficult to sustain an extremely high standard of integrity for a very long period of time. Mm -hmm. All right? So there's always that risk. I mean, here we are, 58 years of being, of a, of being an independent country. Mm. So it is very likely that at some point in time, you know, standards will decay and perhaps recent events have highlighted that risk. Mm. I mean, even the Prime Minister has spoken about this publicly. He says, you know, there have been several cases where we fell short. Mm. All right. Will it get worse? Maybe. It's a wake-up call mm. for Singapore. It's a wake-up call for the political leadership. Mm. Mm. So, so that's why I felt that, um, if not now, when? Mm. <laughs> All right? Yeah. yeah. So I'm still, you know, energetic. I'm still clear-minded, I still have that, um, you know, that fervor in me mm, mm. that I want, I do not want to see the reserves which I've helped to build up mm. get squandered. Mm. I see, I see. So, I mean, um, on that as well, people have also said, asked like, uh, if this presidential election, if, if you don't win this presidential election, how would you continue in, you know, in serving Singaporeans in public service and all? beyond, uh, if, if it's not being the president, like how else would you 
want to help Singapore. Yeah. Can, can, yeah, start I mean, podcast, uh. <laughs> can start a podcast. About financial yeah. literacy. Yeah. 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 Of course. Meditation. Yeah. 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 Yes, no, no. <laughs> I, I think, uh, you know, see, I, eight years ago, when I retired from the GIC, mm. I did a startup. Yes. Yeah. Like you did, mm. you know, more than 10 years ago. Mm. I did a startup. And the startup was my investment company, Avenda Investment Management. Mm. Why? It was because when I retired, there were quite a number of organizations, endowments, foundations, family offices. Skoksong, can you come and help us to invest mm. our money using your experience at the GIC? Mm. Come and chair our investment committee. So I said, there's only one, I'm only Coxon, one person only. I cannot be on so many committees. Mm. So I said, I think a better idea would for me to start my own company and mm. you be my client mm. so that I can serve many clients at the same time and not just advise them how to invest their money. I will invest it for you. Yeah. And then deliver the results. Mm -hmm. So my, uh, my, my ambition was to establish a homegrown Singaporean investment management company mm. so that Singapore can say we are a financial center. We also have our own BlackRock mm. shoulders. Yeah. Mm. Shouldn't we have mm. something like that if we want to be a financial center? Mm. So that was my, uh, my, to serve these clients who needed good investment uh, advice and help to build up mm. an indigenous Singaporean fund management company operating to global standards. Mm -hmm. So that was my, that was how I felt I could continue to serve Singapore, yeah. even after my retirement from the GIC. So if after the presidential elections, I do not win, I will go back mm -hmm. and take Avanda because it's just been eight years. Mm -hmm. It yeah. takes a long time to build a significant organization. Mm. And the other three things that I mentioned, you know, teaching meditation, helping younger generation to develop public speaking skills, mm. help them with financial literacy. I will continue to do that mm. regardless of whether I'm president or not the president. Yeah. Because mm. yeah. I can imagine during those 45 years uh, in GIC, you have experienced a lot. Um, and so just to understand that a bit more, I know, I know one thing that we, people keep talking about is like uh, and uh, your independence. And I know I'm going back to something we went back. But I think one issue maybe like even I feel is like we hear that. But maybe you could, is there any time in GIC where you, there were, you were at odds with policies um, set by the leaders that you kind of went against? Um, or, or, yes. or how, I mean, how? I mean, both of you. Yeah. Both of you studied at UPenn. Yeah. Mm. Mm. You probably took investment courses. Yeah. Mm. yeah. All right? Yeah. Uh, so, so I can share with you that um, uh, during the run-up to the 2008 global financial crisis, yeah. mm. in 2007, in March 2007, I felt very uncomfortable mm. with the state of the financial markets. I was so worried about the excessive leverage there was in the financial system, in mm. the banking system. Mm. Mm. 
at that time, everything were looking very hunky-dory. Yeah. You know, markets were rising, you know. Everybody was very optimistic about the future. But I took a different view. And, and when I took the different view, I had to go to the board of directors mm-hmm. of the GIC. Mm. I had to go to an investment committee which not only comprises members of the board, but key luminaries from around the world. They were our financial advisors. Mm. I went to them and said, I would like to reduce the risk of the portfolio. Mm. Not in some small way, but in a significant way to really de-risk the portfolio. Mm. There was considerable pushback. Mm. Pushback not only from my global financial advisors, which is, which is what their job is, to challenge me. Yeah. All right? Yeah. But also from members of the board. This is also, why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. We are long-term investors. We shouldn't be market timers mm. <laughs> going mm. in and out. I say, no, it is my responsibility. Based on my experience, that there is more downside risk than upside potential. Mm. Given the highly leveraged state of the system and the exuberance there was. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So I had to battle my way through, but fortunately, at the end, the board agreed with my assessment. Mm. But mm. it was a to and fro mm. process where I had to stand firm. And if you know the investment business, that was a considerable career risk. Mm. Mm. Because if I de-risked the portfolio and the market went up, yeah. you were a short-term market timer. Mm. Mm. You understand what I mean? Yeah. 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 So, now fortunately, I had the conviction, born from years of experience. Mm. Fortunately, I felt that if I make my case very strongly, I can persuade the board, which I was eventually able to do. Mm. So, you need that steel in the spine yeah. Mm. Yeah. when it comes to crucial moments like this. Mm. And, and what is your, your mantra during times like that? Were you, was your conviction so strong that you felt like, I'm not going to be shaken? Or is it something that you grapple with internally also? Well, when you, when you have a job to do, mm. you do the best you can. By which I mean, I have to think through this very carefully, mm. you know, and say, how sure are you? In the investment business, you are never totally sure. It's a danger to be totally sure, mm. right? But you have to make an assessment. And, and the, the assessment that I had to make was, what is the upside and what is the downside? All right? Mm. That's what calculated risk-taking is all about, mm. you know? So I reached the conclusion, you know, uh, that, uh, that the downside risk far outweighed the upside potential. Mm. 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 And uh, it's better to give up some gains than to lose a lot of money. Yeah. You see? Yeah. So those are judgment calls. Mm. So fortunately, in those times, I was already meditating. Mm-hmm. I meditate regularly, you know, twice a day. Mm. And what meditation teaches us is, number mm. one, <clears throat> um, to have a, a, a clarity of, uh, of mind. Right? Mm. And the clarity of mind 
comes when you do not look at the world through the uh, prism of your ego. Do not have preconceived notions. Don't be biased. Mm. Look at the evidence. Don't select the evidence that confirms your own bias. Mm. Mm. So our best personal bias is the ego. We want to be right and we want to say. But don't be cocksure. Mm. All right? Mm. So, so meditation helps a lot in that. Helps you to look at the world, you know, without being biased you mm. know, by your preconceived notions. And then secondly, I came to the conclusion, yes, all right, you have made a judgment call. It seems to be the right one because you are more concerned about losing money than making money. Mm. You know, uh, that's quite clear that, that mm, that's a sensible thing to do, right? Mm. Once you came to that conclusion, I said, I would now do my very best if the board agrees to execute this. And once you have done that, I have a peaceful sleep. Mm, mm. Because sometimes the way things turn out is beyond your control. Yeah. Mm. It's beyond yeah. your control. But as long as you have done the best you can, you can go back and sleep. Mm, mm. Mm. That is what we call detachment. Mm. <laughs> detachment. Yeah. To do the best you can, but to accept that sometimes things are beyond your control. Mm. Mm. So that is very, that. That crisis was the first time I can remember where all my years of meditation helped me to see things clearly mm. and then to be calm in the face of the storm. Mm. And because was that, I was detached. And was that the toughest pushback that you had to deal with? It was. Mm. Mm. I mean, I mean, we're talking about considerable amounts of money. And, and, and if you're interested, let me explain how... how how challenging that period was. Mm. Mm. So go back to May 2007. Mm. The markets were rising. Yeah. You know, so I took that view. And I remember having a discussion with, uh, with Bob Rubin mm. and Chuck Prince. Do you know them? Uh, Chuck Bob Prince was CEO of Citibank. Right? Yeah. Mm. He was the one who says, when the music is going on, we mm. continue to dance. Yeah, mm. yeah. Right? I had a discussion. He says, Koksong, we heard you, you know. Why, do, why are you so pessimistic? Mm. I say, I don't buy your argument that as long as the music is going on, we should continue to dance. Mm. Anyhow, I was able to persuade the board that, we, that it was a sensible thing to de-risk the portfolio, you know, you know what happened? We started to de-risk the portfolio. Mm. The market went to a new high mm. from May to October 2007. Mm. Mm. So, it was very stressful for me. I was wrong in the short term. Mm. Alright? Now, if you go through a period like this, it's very stressful. Yeah. Then gradually, you know, things begin to weaken. And then in March 2008, Bastens collapsed. Yeah, yeah. I said, aha. There you go. <laughs> that is the beginning. Mm. So, you know, still the markets were, you know, 
not beginning to get nervous. Yeah. But I was feeling more comfortable that my judgment at last looks to be the right thing, but still not sure. Mm-mm. Yeah. October 2008. Lehman collapse. Mm. Yeah. So after sweating for more than one year with a major decision which I had advocated, mm. the markets collapse, as you know. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. At that point, I went to the board and I told my management, it's time to buy. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Buy back everything that we have sold. Mm. Hmm? Now, yes, that is market timing. Mm. 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 You don't do market timing all the time. Yeah. You reserve those big decisions for the right time. Yeah. But when is the right time? Mm. Mm. That's true. No, I, yeah, I, I actually that that whole period was like I was literally working on Wall Street in my short stint as an investment banker uh-huh. when everything was falling apart. So I think it's totally true what you're saying is like how stressful it was yeah. for for you know everyone in the financial community. Of course, for me, I was just I was just worried that they would take away breakfast at the at the pantry <laughs> because I was a low level employee. Did they, yeah. did they take away breakfast? They took away. I mean, the ski trips disappeared. The breakfast yes. disappeared. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So I was like, oh, but but really, just hearing from friends around who were all losing their jobs and all, I was like, wow, yes. it's it's not a joke. It was know. the mother of all financial crises. Yeah, mm. yeah. All right. So all my life, I work at a GIC. Mm-hmm. I realized it was a preparation for that crisis. Mm. Mm. So once that crisis was over, I said, time to retire. Mm. (laughs) But on that note, do you think that having worked for 45 years in one organization actually is, uh, it doesn't give you the breadth of experience across multiple sectors? You see, um, investments Mm. is the pinnacle of finance. Mm. Because in investments, you have to integrate Mm. several disciplines. Mm. It's not just economics. It's not just accounting. It's not just about finance, psychology, Mm. politics, risk-taking. It's the pinnacle where you have to integrate all these disciplines. All right? So in my job, I was able to have all these, Mm. you know, learning all these disciplines mm. right and i enjoyed my job i found that i had i have a risk taking mentality mm-hmm. calculated risk taking i like to take risk and i want to be measured mm. you know so investments gives you that mm. take risk calculated risk and you are measured you see i i like that mm-hmm. all right mm. but the one thing that drove me that was I was doing this not for the shareholders of Goldman Sachs. Mm. I was doing it for the people of Singapore. Mm. If I do my job well, Singaporeans will benefit, present generation and future generation. Mm. Which is why, having helped to build up the reserves, I don't want the reserves to be squandered. True. Mm. Mm. So, mm. I mean, just... Uh, Talking a little bit because we, I mean we're talking about uh, finance and how 
Singaporeans benefit from, you know, uh, building up cash reserves and all. Uh, the president's role to unify the people of Singapore is, uh, that's ultimately the most important thing, right? Yes. But in recent years or recent months, there's been this narrative of two Singapores where, you know, because of income inequality and keeping up with the global economy, we're starting to see, you know, there are people who have a lot in Singapore and there are those who are struggling to get by. What is your plan or vision to try and, you know, pull these two worlds together and unify them together? I think, you know, there is the rhetoric mm. and there is the action. Mm. All right? And, um, and certainly, you have to understand that in regard to the presidency, um, the president does not do what the government should do. Mm. Right? The president has got a veto, but that person does not initiate policies. Mm. You understand? There's yeah. a vital difference. If the president keeps on checking the government on any kind of thing, mm. the government cannot function. Mm. It will be a big distraction. Mm. Mm. So, the president's role is to work with the government for the people of Singapore. Mm. The two words are important, with and for. Right? <clears throat> now, your question about you might say the disparity in living standards, in level of income and wealth. Mm. I think in Singapore, the situation could be likened to three escalators. Mm. Three escalators. Mm. The first escalator is the the ultra rich, mm -hmm. including you know. Foreigners who come and live in Singapore, mm, yeah. you know, enjoy our living conditions here, you know, extremely wealthy, mm, mm. in many cases flaunting their wealth. Mm. Right? It's a good thing that we have these people here. They come and help create jobs, they patronize our restaurants and things like that. Not mm. a bad thing. All right? If you want to be a global city like London, you should expect to have these people. Yeah. But that's the fastest moving escalator. Mm -hmm. mm? Then the second escalator we have is, you might say, the middle income. Mm. This escalator is moving not as fast mm. as the first escalator, but still rising, mm. moving upwards. You know, and these are middle income. And then the third escalator, the low income, mm. Mm? even the lower middle income moving slower. Mm. No. So I think the prosperity of Singapore and the long-term future of Singapore requires that all the three escalators should continue to move up. Mm. Mm. So everybody, you know, the rising tide lifts all boats. Yeah. yeah. And we want that to happen. So we must be very clear that it is in Singapore's interest to grow the pie. Mm. The three escalators is how you divide the pie. Mm. It's a distribution issue. All right? Now, so tying back to the reserves. When you look at the reserves, they have the past reserves, the accumulated savings 
of the people of Singapore. Mm. And that can only be drawn down in times of crisis, in times of war, in terms of crises such as the pandemic, mm. you know. But there's also the investment returns mm. on those past reserves. And every year, the government takes part of the investment returns into the budget. The Minister for Finance presents the budget. This is the mm. expenditure. Here's the revenue. Mm. If you look at the revenue, sources of revenue, the largest component is the investment returns. Mm. The investment returns. So the investment returns is how the past reserves benefit present generations of Singaporeans. Mm. Because of the revenues that we take into the budget, it can finance healthcare expenditure, education expenditure, housing expenditure, GST vouchers, mm. without us having to raise taxes by too much. Mm. You see, in other words, it prevents us from having deficits. Mm. All right? So I think that the big picture is we want to continue growing our reserves and we grow our reserves best by having economic growth. Mm. When there's economic growth, the government is able to have more revenues, mm. corporate tax, income tax, <laughs> COEs, whatever it is. And when the reserves grow, we're able to use more and more investment returns mm. for the budget. And if we have more investment returns for the budget, we can spend more mm. on healthcare. We can spend more on helping the low income. Mm. You see, so people of Singapore have got to understand that. That at the end of the day, the reserves, the growth of the country must put Singaporeans first, mm, mm. especially the lower-income Singaporeans. Mm. So this needs to be communicated and it needs to be seen in action. Mm. Mm. The president has got no power to tell the government, I want you to spend so much. The government has, in his wisdom, mm. in his, I say wisdom, because unless you take care of the lower-income Singaporeans, you will not get their support. Yeah for too yeah. long. So it's in the wisdom of the government to do what it can for lower-income Singaporeans. Mm. So, so but, uh, yeah, um, oh, sorry, carry on. But as a country, yeah. we must be clear. Mm. We want to grow the economy. Yeah. And having foreigners come to Singapore is what helps Singapore to be a successful economy. Mm -hmm. But the beneficiaries must first be Singaporeans. Mm. So they're Singapore and they're Singaporeans. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I do really like that analogy that you're putting up that ev all the escalators are going up. Yes. So, and, and I think the, you know, the rationalization and theory of it is very true. And it's important to communicate that to people. Yes. Uh, at the same time, if there's someone who's on that, you know, uh, mid lower middle uh, escalator and and they, they are saying that, you know, it's just moving too slowly. I don't even want to be part of this rat race. Do we really need to be escalating? Can't I just be, you know, on a travelator moving forward? What will you say to someone like that who, you know, he's just tired of rat race? And, and what will you say to this person to inspire him about the future of Singapore? You know, is it is it all about just going, moving from escalator to escalator? Or what, what is it in the future for him? I think uh, it is essential for every Singaporean, especially the younger Singaporeans, Nobody owes you a living. Mm -hmm. That was the philosophy 
behind the early stages of development in Singapore. Mm. Nobody owes us a living. And secondly, for your own dignity, mm. own personal dignity, do something. Don't be lazy. Mm. Don't escape. Don't give up. For your own dignity. Right? Don't ask for handouts. Earn your own money. Mm. Because the reality is, there are plentiful job opportunities in Singapore. It's just that some people are too choosy. Mm. So when I was young, I had to struggle, right? I had to lift my, com my, my family out of poverty. Mm. Five brothers and five sisters. My father lost his job. I had to work so hard while I was studying in university mm. to support the family. So we can make it. The opportunities are there, but we must be prepared to put in the work. Mm. And if you work, the government will supplement your income. That's why we are workfare. Mm -hmm. which I think is a great idea because it encourages you to work. But if your income level falls short of what is needed to survive, the government can top it up. Mm. So that is, that is how the past reserves to the investment returns benefit us. Mm. So, so I think, uh, you know, we, we, we need to have, I would say, a positive mindset that we have the opportunity in Singapore, you know, but we ourselves must put in the effort. Mm. And that's what I hope to, to encourage, you know, more Singaporeans to do. And, uh, and of course, you know, life can be quite challenging, you know. Mm. Even people at a very young age, you know, they, they get discouraged, mm. you know. They get stressed out, you know. And part of the stress comes from not being able to keep up with the Jordanses. Yeah, mm. yeah. All right? Mm. And partly this is attributable to, may I say, social media. Mm. All right? Mm. Creating the illusion that everybody is wonderful. All right? Mm. Everything, we're all so famous. Mm. And everybody is trying to keep up. Yeah. So that's where you need to have ways of developing emotional resilience. Mm. And that's why I'm advocate of meditation, mm. all right? So that you don't feel that you have to conform, to comply, to act, to act in a way that people will like you mm. or your parents demand of you. You have to be yourself. Mm. Mm. And I'm convinced that if you can be yourself, you will say, yes, I've got some limitations. Everybody's got limitations, but I have my potential. There are certain things that I can do, like the two of you. You went to business school, you came back, and this is my potential. Mm -hmm. And you are running a business which contributes to better communication. Mm. You're performing a service. All right? Mm. So I think every Singaporean must go deep within themselves. What is my gift? What is my talent? What can I do? Mm. Everybody has got an ability. Find that ability. Mm. Mm. and then use the most of that ability, then I think you'll be happy mm. because you feel that you are able to do some kind of work which brings out the best in you. Mm. you know? Do you think there, there are less and less people who are being that self-reflective? 
I sense that. Mm. I sense that. You know, and that's why you have this syndrome of giving up life, quiet life quitting, rent. Yeah, quiet, quiet quitting. quitting. Yeah. yeah. You see, it's discouragement. Mm. It's discouragement. <clears throat> so I think, and, and it's a waste. Mm-hmm. It's a waste of the gift of life. So you so, are given a life. Make the best of it. So mm. then, I mean, it's refreshing to hear that uh, coming from someone you know who's hoping to be president. Um, do you feel like in the past few years that message hasn't been coming across from the from the leaders of Singapore? Because like what well, like what Tyron said, right? I find there's a lot of focus now on like okay, we need to to keep uh, aiming more growth, this growth that, and there's you can totally understand the need for growth. But sometimes putting it in the context of why we owe it to ourselves to push ourselves, that doesn't come across in messaging. And it's almost like the comms that we get from the leaders. Yes. And of course, we understand that the leaders, they, they have a lot of stuff to do. But the communication sometimes feels like there's a disconnect. Yes. Too you know? much emphasis on the need for growth. Mm. Not enough emphasis on how we share the fruits of growth. Mm. So that's something you have felt yourself? Yes. Mm. Mm. And that's very important because if you want the whole of Singapore to be behind you, that we all want to grow the pie. Yeah. People want to say, are we getting a proper share of the pie? Mm. Mm. <laughs> so I, I don't think in, I think, I mean, uh, as a citizen, yeah. I would like to see more you know, and that's where, and, and this is, this is, you know, it's a worldwide phenomenon. That's why you have a situation in the United States where Trump came to power mm. and he started with the message, America first. Yeah. Mm. Mm. But sadly, he descended into America only. Mm. 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 I think Singapore we should have the motto of Singapore first, but we should never say Singapore only mm. because Singapore depends on the rest of the world mm. for us to grow. Mm. Singapore first is extremely important. Yeah. yeah, yeah, And you know, just now you mentioned that the role of the president is to work with the government for the people. Yes. Uh, but in, in the past few minutes, you have also said that, you know, you have sensed certain things like maybe the communication, the focus on how we share the pie is is not that ideal. So in some way, it, it, it sounds like, okay, there are things you thought you think can be done better. Yes. So let's say if you do have a conflict with uh, certain actions the government is taking, what is your plan of action going to be like um, talking to them like you did with the board of directors when you were at GIC in 2007 or more publicly taking a stand? No, the government, the, the, under the present dispensation, yeah. you know, under the constitution, as I said, the government, the, the, the president cannot initiate policies. Mm, right? Mm, yeah. Uh, the president has got the veto in regard to the use of past reserves and and appointments, yeah, appointments. to the public service. Yeah. So so he should he stay within his lane. Mm. All right? Now, so we should make a distinction between power and influence. Mm. All right? Now, influence is best exerted quietly. Mm. Hmm? So I think it would not be a satisfactory situation for the president to say, 
I'm going to make trouble for the government. Mm. All right? I'm going to put, keep on putting pressure on the government. That is not the role of the president as currently defined in the constitution. Mm. Mm? But it does not mean that the president is toothless. <laughs> mm. Mm. All right? Mm. The president has got teeth that can bite and should bite when it comes to the safeguarding of the reserves and the appointment of key public appointments. Mm. All right? Mm. But on the other issues, I think it's really about influence, mm -hmm. you know? And, and I have some optimism that ultimately a government which wants to stay in power would have the wisdom to make adjustments. Mm. Mm? But that's for the government to do. Mm. So the president is like the chief influencer, kind of. Yeah, chief influencer <laughs> in the government. In right? the, like you influence uh, behind the scenes and all that, right? But, but then, you know, one thing that um, we have also from, you know, doing a lot of content around news and reading chatter online, one big issue is the lack of transparency. And yes. while, while I understand that we shouldn't be privy to everything that leaders discuss behind closed doors, how then do you plan to address, if the influence is going to be exerted quietly, to address the sentiment that, okay, there's no more transparency? Because you might get the influence, you might exert the influence you want, but to us, all we, we don't know what's happening, you know? So is there anything you would like to tell people who have that concern that, okay, it's going to be more closed-door discussions uh, and it, again, is the problem of no transparency? I think that um, there are two... Um issues here. Mm -hmm. And you've got to make a distinction between accountability and transparency. Mm -hmm. Everybody should be accountable. All right? Yeah. So, so, you know, at the end of the day, we have parliament, we have the presidency, we've got the government, mm -hmm. and we have the people of Singapore. Yeah. yeah. All right? So there must be accountability. You cannot say no accountability. All right? It is the essence of a democracy that there is accountability, mm. all right? Mm. Now, so, and it's true that accountability comes with a certain level of transparency. Mm. Mm? Yeah. But we must be very clear as well that there are certain things where it's not in the national interest to be transparent. Mm. And I'm referring here specifically to the size of our total reserves. Mm. Mm. So people keep asking, why can't you tell us how much money we have? It seems a reasonable request. Mm. Until you say, aha, what are the reserves for? The reserves is part of our total defense in times of war. Mm. Mm? Mm. You don't tell a potential enemy what weapons you have. Mm. Mm? Because the reserves is how we can buy global support, mm. buy weapons, buy software nowadays, mm. all right? In times of war, it's our war chest. Mm. Mm. Secondly, the reserves is what fosters confidence in the Singapore dollar, which is why the Singapore dollar is as strong as it is. Mm. As you all know, 
in the financial markets from time to time. Speculators might challenge that. Mm. Mm, mm. And I found that in 1985, when I was working in the MAS and I was in charge of foreign exchange market operations, and I had to see off the speculators. Mm. And when you have to see off the speculators because they want to undermine your currency, they should know who they are up against. Mm. So that's another instant, a financial war. So once we are clear about these reserves being of strategic importance to Singapore, mm. it is not in the national interest hmm, to say how much reserves we have because we have potentially hostile forces. Mm. Right? So, so I think, uh, you know, it's, 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 I think a more educated, a more demanding electorate will demand more and more transparency. Mm. And the government should carefully draw the line. What is really so critical that we cannot divert? These are our national secrets. Mm. Mm. Apart from that, what can we share with the people of Singapore? Mm. Mm. I think it is very important to do that because if we don't do that, there's going to be more and more cynicism, mm, yeah. less trust so, so do in you, the government. Do you sometimes feel that the, the current netizens or people on the internet can be too demanding? They need to, be exp you need to explain to them. Mm, mm, mm. You need to explain to them. And, and some people will never be convinced mm, because they are just, there's a saying, you know, you cannot, persuade somebody about your point of view when it's in their vested interest to have an opposite point of view. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But yeah. I don't think the vast majority of Singaporeans are like that. Mm -hmm. If the government makes a greater effort to explain, I think you will go a long way to reduce the, the cynicism, yeah. mm -hmm. the lack of trust mm -hmm. in government. Mm -hmm. So, so, you know, just now you mentioned that um, there are certain things that people shouldn't be privy to because it's, uh, it's, our, it's our total defense, right? And a few times also you mentioned certain parts about how Singapore reserves are super important because, um, you know, you don't want to let your potential enemy know what yes. our reserves are. So do you generally see the global climate as like somewhat adversarial or trending towards that as opposed to, you know, the whole world, we are one, we are together, kumbaya. Or you feel now it's more every yeah. nation for themselves? No, I, I, I you see, um, <clears throat> we should not get overly pessimistic. Mm. You know, I think, I think we should always be prepared for major risks that mm. threaten us. Mm. Mm? Be prepared. It's part of, uh, you know, good long-term strategic planning. But, at the same time, we must be mindful that if we can unite as a country, if we can keep, you know, the favorable factors behind Singapore's growth going, there's huge potential for us mm. as an economy. Because even despite the geopolitical, you know, uncertainties and risks, Singapore is benefiting from it. Mm. Right? So we find ourselves in a unique position whereby we are able to be a place of refuge. Mm. 
a place of refuge for global companies who want to do business in Asia. Mm. And that's why money is coming in, people are coming in. We should make the best of it, you know? Mm. Then we try to mitigate the downside by distribution, you know? Singapore first, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so my, I want to be able to, must say, inspire the younger generation. Don't be despondent. The best of Singapore is yet to come. Mm. But we must know what are the factors behind our success, you know? And there are three factors. I speak about the, the three treasures mm. of Singapore that I want to help safeguard. Mm. Number one, our financial treasure, the reserves, our social treasure, mm. the unity of the people, Singapore as one, mm. all standing up for Singapore. And the third treasure, good government administration. Singapore works. Mm. People want to come and do business here. Mm. See, if we can get, preserve, enhance those treasures, we have a lot of opportunities. Mm. And I spoke about this as somebody from finance. When I first started working in the 1970s, Singapore was nowhere in the world as a financial center. When the markets closed in New York, everybody waits for London. Mm. Today is different. Singapore is the third busiest foreign exchange market in the world. Mm. I helped to develop that. Singapore started the first financial futures exchange. I founded that. Mm. It is now the derivatives arm of the Singapore exchange. Mm. It puts Singapore on the map. Mm. We trade the Nikkei contract with Taiwanese contract. Mm. And then we are becoming a very important wealth management hub. I helped do that. I set up the Wealth Management Institute. It has trained thousands of Singaporeans. Mm. So this is an illustration of what we can be. And I think if we play our cards right, I, my dream is that Singapore will overtake London mm. to become the second most important financial center in the world. Mm. So I think we should inspire hope and optimism. Say, how do we organize ourselves as a nation to exploit the opportunities? And that's Mm. why your tagline is united for our future. For our future. United for our future. Mm. Did you ever think of the tagline like, don't be cocksure, be cocksong? That's too... too. (laughs) (laughs) That fell flat. I've been wanting to say that for 20 minutes. Not nice to say. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. But yeah, yeah. but but yeah. I mean, like, um, uh, thank you so much for sharing. Yeah. Um, we normally end off every podcast with a one shock thing. Yeah. Very optimistic. We, thing very, as optimistic well. very optimistic one shock thing. Yeah. yeah. Which is uh like what we mentioned. I mean, we say at the end of every podcast, it's just something you can share with the listeners. Uh, could be an article, could be a video, could be a song that you have listened to. So we will go first, so you have mm, a bit of time sure. to to think. Yeah. Uh, Terence, you got a one-shot thing? Yes, I have a, it's a YouTube video by the channel Tech Alter. They do analysis of, uh, like the major tech firms and what they, what consumer tech firms especially and what they do and what the strategies are. So the, one of their latest, uh, videos is about, uh, Elon Musk's rebranding of Twitter to X uh-huh. and into a super app. And I found it very interesting because he really goes into the geographic, uh, peculiarities of places like China 
why super apps like WeChat and, and can work in China. Why, you know, uh, local services apps like Grab and Go, Gojek and all can work in countries in Southeast Asia, but why none of them have worked in the US? Mm. And that's why uh, Twitter or X is going to have a very hard time trying to trying to become that super app for the, the West. I so it's, mm. uh, I think it, I, I never thought of it that way. When I just mm. thought oh, the app sucks and that's mm. why nobody knows yeah. using But it's really, there are geographical and, and cultural differences that enable... Uh, enable these apps to work or fail in each of yes. these countries. Uh. Mm. So very, very illuminating for, you know, everyone's just, sure. everyone's just like Mindset. ragging. Yeah, they're ragging on Elon Musk for you know, trying and all that, but it's it's interesting. Yeah. And and what's the, the channel? Channel name? Tech Alter. Tech, Tech Alter. Yeah, I yeah, see. Yeah, yeah. And you? Cool. Uh, mine is, um, I've only recently started watching the show The uh, Last of Us uh, on HBO. Have you heard of the show? No. It's a series that came out earlier this year that was mm. adapted from a game. And it got a lot of rave reviews and I've taken quite a while to watch it. Uh, it's set like 20 years after a, a zombie outbreak. And it's about a group of people just, just surviving with quarantine zones and all. And I totally can see why the show got all the rave reviews. Like I finished the third episode, which was one of the best episodes of written television I've ever seen. Uh, and, and if you haven't started watching it, I know for you, probably till September 1st, you'll be very busy. Uh, or at least even after that, uh, yeah, we're busy. Yeah. So <laughs> if, if you have time, if anyone has time okay. and they haven't watched it yet, I strongly recommend it. Right. Mm, yeah. And then what about your uh, song? How about you? You know, I, I've i been a, a great fan of the Leonard Cohen. Mm. Mm. And I've been very inspired by, by Leonard Cohen over the years. And there's one song and one phrase which constantly rings in my mind, you know. Mm. And it comes from this uh, song called Anthem. Mm. Anthem. And the particular phrase that I love very, very much because it is about inspiration. And it goes like this. Ring the bells that still can ring. Forget your perfect offering. Mm -hmm. There's a crack in everything. That's how the light comes in. Mm -hmm. Ring the bell that still can ring. Forget your perfect offering. Do what you can. No need to be perfect. Mm. If the bell can ring, ring it, mm. it's a message to all Singaporeans. You can do something. It doesn't have to be perfect. There's a crack in everything. Mm. Nothing is perfect. Mm. You will make mistakes. That's how the light comes in. Mm. If you are perfect, there's no room for improvement. Mm. Hmm? Mistakes plus reflection equals progress. Mm. Those four lines, very, very meaningful to me. And it's from a song, you said. It's anthem. called a song called Anthem. Anthem by Leonard Cohen. Leonard Cohen. 
that is awesome. Uh, is it is it going to be your walkout music at the whenever you make appearances at, <laughs> as a presidential hopeful? No, it's a very deeply reflective song uh, because Leonard Cohen encountered many life challenges. Mm-hmm. He never gave up. Mm. He inspired, you know, all his fans. Mm. You know, and and like he what was you said, wounded, he was wounded many times, emotionally wounded. Mm. He picked himself up. He never gave up. Mm-hmm. And and like what you said, that's what you hope to do as well yes. as presidential hopeful. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, thank you so much for answering our our yeah. questions. Uh, all the best for your campaign. I think like uh, I mean, we had a lot of questions that you wanted to ask. I asked everything I wanted to ask. Yeah, yeah. I think we yeah. covered a lot of ground. Uh, you know, really delving deep into your your background and and what you what you aspire for as a president. Yeah, this time, uh, and these were also yeah. some questions we got from our listeners, so I'm sure they'll be happy. I'm as well. so delighted. Thank yeah. you. I mean, the two of you were superb. Oh, mm. thank you so much, man. Oh, thank yeah. you so much. That means a lot. Uh, yeah. It was it wasn't stilted, like you know, yeah, most exactly. Other conversations. So that's what we're yeah. going for. Yeah. Oh, but but you you were great. You were a great guest as well, and like we could <laughs> you, we could this could carry on for two more hours. Yeah, wanted, <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah. hopefully in future we will have you back again. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yes regardless. Yeah. Regardless. regardless. Yeah. We would love <laughs> to have you. Yes. And if you want to start your own podcast, we will more than willingly help you. Yeah. Good. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, okay. Terence. Thank, Thank you, Harish. Thank you so much, Mister Ng mm-hmm. uh, or Kok Song. Good to end on Kok Song. Good to end on. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Okay. And thank, thank you. you, everyone, for listening and watching.